Hey, 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 I'm back with more readings. So I'm discussing confidentiality when a paralegal may disclose confidential information. So a paralegal may disclose confidential information to establish or collect fees as long as the paralegal does not disclose more information than is required to do so, right? So as long as the paralegal is not disclosing more information than required to do so, then they may disclose confidential information to establish or collect fees, right? If the documents used by a paralegal to establish or collect or collect the fees contain confidential information that is not required to establish or collect the fees, the paralegal must remove or block out that information before disclosing these documents, right? Right? Um yeah, so if you're using documents to establish or collect the fees and they contain confidential information that is not that is not required to establish or collect the fees, then, you know, as a paralegal, you must remove or block out that information before disclosing those documents. Yep, that is it in a nutshell. Um, next is to secure, to secure legal advice about paralegal's proposed conduct, which can be found in uh, Rule 3.03, subsection 8. So, as paralegals, we may disclose confidential. As paralegals, we may disclose confidential information to another paralegal or a lawyer. To secure legal advice about their proposed conduct right so an example like after reviewing a client situation and the paralegal rules a paralegal may not be certain how to proceed in order to comply with the paralegal's professions and obligations right in such a case the paralegal may wish to obtain the legal opinion of a lawyer right So let's say I am a licensed paralegal or I'm working as a paralegal and after reviewing client situation and paralegal rules, I realize that, you know, I'm not sure on how to proceed in this manner and, you know, and in, and in order to comply with the, the paralegal's professional obligations, I have, you know, uh, consulted, um, I have consulted a lawyer to secure legal advice on how to proceed, then I may disclose confidential information in this case. Um, in such a case, then the paralegal may wish to obtain the legal opinion of a lawyer, right? So in this case, like, I'm not sure how to proceed, you know, and uh, I may wish to obtain legal opinion of a lawyer, then, you know, in order to proceed um, or to, like, get legal advice on how to proceed, then I may disclose confidential information to another paralegal or lawyer. So disclosing this confidential information to the lawyer that I'm consulting for advice would be permitted in this case. Um, next is to detect and resolve 
conflicts of interest this can be found in rule 3.03 sub 10 guideline 8 section 16.1 to 16.5 right so let's say that i'm a paralegal right and uh i'm working in a law firm then i may need to disclose information to other paralegals in, in different firms to detect and resolve conflicts of interest. You know, for example, this may happen, for example, when, uh, like for example, I'm considering an association with another firm, two or more firms are considering a merger or I'm considering the purchase of a practice, okay? Where's the juice, honey? This is kind of... So it says here that a paralegal may disclose confidential information to the extent reasonably necessary to detect and resolve conflicts of interest arising from the paralegal's change of employment or from changes to a composition or ownership of the firm. <sighs> this type of disclosure would only be made once substantive discussions regarding the new relationships have occurred, right? So let's say, uh, example, let's say like, you know, um, Jessica is a paralegal and Jessica may disclose confidential information to the extent uh, reasonably necessary to detect and to resolve conflicts of interest arising from Jessica's change of employment or from changes to a composition or ownership of the firm, right? So this type of disclosure would only be made one substantive discussion regarding the um, uh, regarding the new relationship have occurred. Uh, what's next? The exchange of information between firms needs to be done in a manner consistent with the transferring, uh, with the transferring paralegals and the new firm's obligations to protect client confidentiality and um, avoid pr uh, prejudice to a client. Uh, so let's say there's an there's an exchange of information between firms, like it needs to be done in a way that's you know consistent with the transferring. Uh, paralegals and new like with the transferring paralegals and the new firm's obligations to protect the client right so we have to keep that in mind uh you know to protect client confidentiality and avoid prejudice to the client um disclosure should be made to as few persons at the new firm as possible right if disclosure would compromise client confidentiality or otherwise prejudice the client, such disclosure is prohibited without the client's consent. 
So uh, more detail regarding the procedures for disclosure in such circumstances can, can be found in the rules section 16.1. Uh, 16.1 to 16.5 of guideline 8 what greater detail uh, more detail regarding the procedures for disclosure in such circumstances is set out in section 16.1 to 16.5 of guidelines 8 of the guidelines <laughs> that's a tongue twister stay baby stay let's see so next is other obligations related to confidential client information. Um, so there are cases where confidential information a paralegal receives during the relationship with the client triggers other obligations, right? Awesome. There are cases where confidential information a paralegal receives during the relationship with the client triggers other obligations, right? Um, they are also subject to a confidentiality rule and have been included below. So the first one is whistleblowing, which can be found in rule 3.02 subsection 8, guideline 7, section 7. So the paralegal's duty of confidentiality does not differ when the client is an organization and applies whether the paralegal is retained as an outside legal representative or employed in-house by the organization. So as paralegals, our duty of confidentiality does not differ when the client is an organization and applies whether the whether we are retained as an outside legal representative or employed in-house by the organization, right? So let's say that there's a paralegal named Jessica. Jessica's duty of confidentiality does not differ when the when the client she has is an organization, right? It still applies, you know, whether she is retained as an outside legal representative or employed in-house by the organization, right? So the duty of confidentiality is owed to the organization itself and not to any officer, employee, or agent communicating on behalf of the organization unless the paralegal has been retained to act in a joint retainer with the organization and the individual. Yeah, so keeping in mind that the duty of confidentiality is owed to organization itself, right? So that's where the duty applies, you know, um, and not to any officer, employee, or agent communicating on behalf of the organization unless, you know, Jessica, for example, has been retained to act in a joint retainer with the organization and the individual, you know, in that case, then the rules regarding joint retainers on confidentiality apply, right? Okay. 
Uh, there are additional obligations when a paralegal is employed or retained by an organization to act in a matter in which the paralegal knows that the organization has engaged in, is engaging in, or intends to engage in conduct that is dishonest, fraudulent, criminal, or illegal. So... So, for example, let's say that Jessica is a paralegal and Jessica was employed or retained by an organization to act in a manner in which Jessica knows, honey, she knows that the organization, um, like, she knows that the, she knows that the organization has engaged in, is engaging in, or intends to engage in conduct that is dishonest, fraudulent, criminal, or illegal. So such conduct includes um such conduct includes acts of omission as well as acts of commission, right? Uh in these situations the paralegal must follow the procedures outlined in rule 3.02 sub 8 to advise the person uh to advise the person from which the paralegal takes instructions and the chief legal officer or both the chief legal officer and the chief what okay let's do this again in these situations the paralegal must follow the procedures outlined in rule 3.02 sub 8 to advise the person from whom the paralegal takes instructions and the chief legal officer or both the chief legal officer and the chief executive officer about the conduct and that and that the conduct should be stopped right so let's say jessica is a paralegal then you know she has been employed or retained by an organization to to act in a matter in which she knows the organization has engaged in or engaging in or intends to engage in conduct that is dishonest, fraudulent, criminal, or illegal, right? Jessica must follow the procedures outlined in Rule 3.02 sub 8 to advise the person from which she takes instructions and the chief, um, and the chief legal officer or both the chief legal officer and the chief executive officer officer about the conduct and that the conduct should be stopped right so this rule applies where the conduct in question is likely to result in substantive harm to the organization right as opposed to genuinely trivial misconduct by the organization then if jessica cannot convince the organization to abandon the conduct jessica may be forced to withdraw from representation right so it's like jessica tried but no one listened to her and she she know the organization is not listening and you know they're not stopping doing the illegal activities than they're doing or the fraudulent activities then jessica may be forced jessica may be forced to withdraw from representation right so in some cases Withdrawal may include a paralegal resigning from the paralegal's position with the organization, right? So let's, in some cases, withdrawal may 
include Jessica resigning from the uh, from her position with the organization in accordance with rule 3.08. Okay, let's see what's coming up. A paralegal may learn of the organization's misconduct only after receiving confidential information. In such cases, the paralegal must not knowingly assist or encourage the misconduct and follow the steps discussed. However, a paralegal must not disclose to the authorities or any outside party the organization's prior, present, or intended dishonest, fraudulent, criminal, or illegal acts unless permitted to do so by the paralegal rules right so let's say that jessica learned of the organization's misconduct only after receiving confidential information from them then she must not knowingly assist like help them or encourage them you know encourage like their behavior and she must follow the steps discussed uh uh, this, uh she must follow the steps that i discussed before and then she must um it says, however, Jessica must not disclose to, to the authorities or any outside party the organization's prior, present, or intended dishonest, fraudulent, criminal, or illegal acts unless permitted or required to do so by the paralegal rules. This is not good. This is actually fraudulent mischief. <laughs> Uh, next is security of court facility facilities. I don't even know what that is. Let's find out. Uh, this can be found in Rule 6.01 Sub 3 Guideline 8, Section 17 to 18. Um, so let's say uh, Jessica receives information that leads her to reasonably believe that a dangerous situation is likely to happen at a court facility, then Jessica must notify and give particulars to the persons having responsibility for security at the facility, right? However, because Jessica is still bound by, conf by the confidentiality rule, Jessica cannot disclose any further confidential client information without the client's consent or determining that the situation falls under the exception to prevent death or serious, uh, to prevent death or serious bod bodily harm. Um, where possible, Jessica should suggest solutions such as added security at the court to protect client confidentiality. Jessica may consider providing this tip anonymously to the persons responsible for security at the court facility or throughout another paralegal, a lawyer, or an agent, right? let's let's use another example right let's say i'm a paralegal and i receive information that leads me to believe to to reasonably okay like it's not like i'm making stuff up you know <laughs> you know i can't just be like oh this is it's not just assumptions but it's like if i receive information that leads me to reasonably believe that a dangerous situation is happening at a court facility then what i have to do is notify and give like details to the persons having responsibility for security at the facility. It's like security, where are you at? So it's like notifying the security and letting them know, yo, this is about to go down. However, I'm keeping in mind that I'm still bound by the confidentiality rule. I cannot disclose any further client information. However, because I'm still bound by the conf confidentiality rule, then I cannot disclose 
any further confidential client information without the client's consent, right? Or determining that the situation falls under the exception, which is to prevent death or serious bodily harm, you know, then... Okay, and it says where possible, then I should suggest solutions like, hey, can we have more security at the score? Is dangerous, you know, to protect, to protect, uh, to make sure this uh, the premises is uh, for the safety and security of the premises. Can we have, you know, more security here? Uh, to protect client confidentiality, I may consider providing this tip anonymously. You know, it's like slide it under the table. <laughs> You know, to the person responsible for security, right? Keeping that in mind at the court facility or through another paralegal, a lawyer, or an agent. So those are options. So here it says where possible, the paralegal should also notify other paralegals and lawyers who are known to be involved in proceedings at the court facility where the dangerous situation is likely to develop, right? Let's see, what is this? So it's, if, if, if it's possible, then you know, it says I also have to notify other paralegals and lawyers, but like, hey, yo, this is about to go down, who are known to be involved, like I know they're involved in the proceedings at the court facility and where the dangerous situation is likely to happen or develop. In addition to warning colleagues, such notice may allow them to suggest security measures that do not interfere with an accused or party's right to a fair trial, right? So yeah, um, giving them notice, giving notice may allow them to suggest security that does not interfere with an accused or party's right to a fair, fair trial. Okay, I got that. Boy, I'm almost there. I'm done almost. Okay, what's this? Um, okay, next is a uh, duty to report misconduct. Um, this can be found in Rule 9.1, Subsection 2 and 4, Guidelines, guidelines 21, Subsection 3 to 6. Oh my god, I forgot I have a Zoom party to go to. I'm gonna finish this first. Uh, so when a paralegal is retained by a client who has dealt with another paralegal or a lawyer professionally or personally, the paralegal may learn information about the other paralegal or lawyer from the client. So let's say that um, Steve is my client and uh, Steve retained me. However, like he was also a client of another paralegal or lawyer professionally or personally. Um, no, sorry, scratch that. Let's say that Steve has retained me, right? And Steve is, is now my client. And uh, Steve has dealt with another paralegal or a lawyer professionally or personally. I may learn information about the other paralegal or lawyer from Steve, right? If I have evidence that another paralegal or lawyer was or is engaged, was or is engaged, what? Was or is engaged in misconduct as outlined 
in rule 9.01 sub 2, then I am required to report it to the law society unless doing so would be unlawful or a breach of client confidentiality, right? So scenario, Steve is my client and Steve has um, dealt with another lawyer or paralegal personally or professionally, then I may learn from Steve that, you know, um, the other client, sorry, I may learn from Steve or there's evidence that another paralegal or lawyer was engaged in misconduct, was or is engaged in misconduct, you know, I am required to report it to a law society unless doing so would be unlawful or a breach of client confidentiality, right? So I have to keep that in mind. So I also have to make the report in good faith, right? Not malicious, right? I can't just be like, oh, let's report this, let's report this lawyer or paralegal because I don't like them. And now it's my chance to get back on them because Steve said, Steve said so and so, and now is a good chance. And now there's evidence against the other client, uh, against the other paralegal or lawyer. And I'm like, now's the time to get them, right? No, it doesn't work like that. If I'm making the report, it has to be in good faith and without, like, it doesn't have to be malicious or, like, I have to, like, ask myself, like, you know, am I doing this, like, with ulterior motive? You know what I mean? So I have to keep that in mind. Like, it has to be in good faith. So let's say that I'm not entirely sure about whether or not to report the person, you know, then I should consider seeking the advice of the law society directly. Uh, example would be contacting the practice management helpline or indirectly, which is through another paralegal or lawyer. Okay, now is discussions within the office and in public, which is in rule 3.03 sub 3. Um, guideline 8 section 19 to 20 <laughs> paralegal should apply common sense where client information is concerned right paralegal should never gossip about a client or discuss client matters where the discussion may be overheard or un or intercepted right um so it's like as a paralegal it's like use your common sense man like you know uh you know, especially where client information is concerned, it's just like being careful and using our common sense. And it's like gossip is a no-no. Gossiping about a client or discussing client matters, right? So let's say that, you know, I'm discussing client matters where there's a possibility that people might overhear what I'm saying, right? So I should keep in mind not to do that, not to, go not to gossip, you know? So even let's say that I'm just having a casual conversations regarding clients at social events, you know, like even with members of the same same firm, right? Like let's say I'm a, at a social get together and I'm be like, yo, Steve, my client, this and that, so, you know, so and so, this and that. And I'm at a social event. I'm just like casually talking, you know, it's like maybe to me, it's like it doesn't mean anything. But and it's like, oh, these people are from my firm, therefore I can discuss what Steve is about Steve. No, it doesn't work like that. Even with members of the same firm, like casual conversation regarding clients should be avoided, right? Paralegals should not discuss 
client matters over a cell phone in public even that too you know like you're in public you'll be like oh my god steve did this this is what happened to steve blah 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 no it doesn't work like that over a cell phone you're like in public you're just like loudly talking no yeah that's a no-no too right so paralegals should not discuss client matters over a cell phone in public. Uh, they should keep client files out of sight and away from the reception area, right? Like you know, if you're in a if you're in a law firm, you know, making sure like your clients are not like in the reception area where anyone can see them and it's easily easily accessible to anyone like walking in and out. So let's, um, it says here that leaks of information may have unintended results. The client may be identified or opposite parties may learn information that can be used against the client, right? So we have to keep that in mind and be careful, you know, like, because like it can lead to our client being identified or, you know, opposing parties may learn that or uh, may learn information and then use it against the client, which is not good, right? Even if, if the client, like even in cases where the client cannot be identified, the respect of the public for the paralegal profession may be lessened as a result of overhearing a paralegal talk shop in public, right? Right, so keeping that in mind. Wow. Paralegals who practice in, in association with other lawyers or paralegals in cost sharing, space sharing, or other arrangements should be also mindful of the risk of inadvertent disclosure of confidential information and institute systems and procedures that are designed to insulate their respective practices, right? So let's say I'm a paralegal and I have my own practice and like, you know, I am sharing my space with other lawyers or paralegals, you know, just to share our costs, right? I have to be mindful of the risk of like, you know, inadvertent disclosures, like, you know, inadvertent disclosure of confidential information. And I have to put in place systems and procedures that are designed to protect my practice, right? So this issue may be height. The issue may be heightened if one paralegal in the association represents a client in a dispute with with a client of another paralegal or a lawyer in the association, right? So yeah, this can be this um this can happen or this may come up or this is heightened. Like for example, I'm in um I'm in a law firm, right? And like one paralegal in the in the association represents a client and that client is in dispute with my client or the client of another paralegal or lawyer in the association right so it says here paralegal should consult section 19 and 20 of the guidelines 8 for more information on the steps paralegal should follow to help protect confidential to help um to help protect confidential client information right so um, yeah, so consulting this uh, section 19 and 20 of the guidelines 8 will give the paralegals more information on the steps that they should follow to help protect confidential client information, right? So to cover their bases to make sure that, you know, they're doing everything correctly. So next is prohibited use of client information. Um, So a paralegal's duty of loyalty to a client prohibits the paralegal from using any client information for a purpose other than serving the client 
in accordance with the terms of the retainer, right? So let's say Jessica is a paralegal, right? So Jessica's duty of loyalty to her clients, you know, prohibits her from using any client information for a purpose other than serving the client. So every time she's using um, uh, the client information, it has to be for the purpose of serving her client, right? And it also has to be in accordance with the terms of the ret retainer, right? During the uh, during the professional relationship and after the retainer has ended, then Jessica, you know, must not use information from one client to disadvantage that client to serve another party or for her own benefit, right? So let's say that you know uh, Jessica is uh, Steve came to Jessica and Steve you know retained Jessica and during their professional relationship and after re the retainer has ended Jessica must not use information uh, from Steve to disadvantage uh, Jessica must not use information from one client to disadvantage Steve to serve another party or for her own benefit right this would constitute a breach of the duty of confidentiality and could uh, create a conflict of interest right so yeah that's pretty much it oh my god yay what is next so next is chapter six conflicts of interest i am done for the evening you know i have covered a couple of stuffs yeah and uh hopefully these readings you know, you know, they're inspiring me to keep at it. So yeah, whoever's finding my readings, I hope it's helpful. Stay safe and have a beautiful, have a beautiful evening. Bye.